are going to continue a series that we began a couple weeks ago entitled Equal But Not the Same, and we've been talking about what does it mean to move into a place of relational harmony, where we begin to celebrate the differences that are in our life uh, and begin to work together uh, in our families, on our jobs, in our churches, in our communities, uh, really to see God's glory, God's kingdom come, God's will uh, be done on the earth as the Bible tells us it is in heaven. Amen? And so we started out by simply asking this question. We said, what is equality? And Galatians 3 says, for all of you, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Look at verse 29. It says, and now that you belong to Christ, God's promise belongs to you. Amen? Now that you belong to Christ, God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Aren't you glad you belong today? How many of you know you're supposed to be a, a belonger? I don't know if that's the right word, right? We'll add that to the dictionary today uh, per Pastor Keith, right? You are supposed to belong. Right? You need to be a belonger. You need to belong to Christ, and then when you belong to Christ, the promises now belong to you. And now all the promises according to Scripture are yes and amen. Right? You can stand on the Word of God. You can stand on the promises of God. You can pray with boldness. You can pray with confidence. You can pray with assurance. Why? Because you belong to Christ, and His promises belong to you. Amen? Isn't that good news today? All right, praise the Lord. Well, let's, uh, let's look at that next point. So we said equality in Christ. What does that mean? It means that everyone has the same value, liberties, access, and opportunities, but everyone doesn't have the same roles or responsibilities, right? We are equal, but we are not the same. We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 over the last couple weeks, and Paul compared the church to the body of Christ, and he said we're all different parts, but we're all one body, and the hand can't say the feet, I don't need you. The eye can't say the ear, I don't need you, right? We are one body. And being equal in Christ means that we have equal value, we have equal liberties, we have equal opportunities. We are all equal in Christ, but we're not the same. Right? God has given us different roles and different responsibilities so we can work together for his glory. So we said, if you look at that next point, we said that when we learn to celebrate our differences and honor them, we experience the anointing, refreshing, and blessing of God that comes through unity and harmony. And just this morning in my quiet time, the Lord said this to me. He said, Keith, he said, do you realize that relational harmony is not just important, it's necessary. It's not just important, it's necessary. Think about your family for just a minute. When there's strife and when there's discord and there's discontention in your family, how many of you understand that strife and discord hinders what God wants to do in your family? How many of you understand that on your job, when there is division and strife and discord on your job, how many of you know that strife and discord hinders what God wants to do on your job? How many of you realize that in the church, right, when there's strife and division and discord among the body of Christ, it hinders what God wants to do? See, there's this kind of principle in Scripture that simply says this. In order to be right with God, I need to be relationally right with people. The Bible says if I know my brother has all against me, that before I take my gift to God, I need to first go be reconciled to my brother. 
Relational harmony is significant. Why? Because I can't be relationally right with God if I'm not relationally right with the people that are around me. Now, we understand relational harmony requires two people, right? It requires me and the other person. It requires you and the other person. And you can't make people be at peace with you. But the Bible does say that you can do everything in your power to live peaceably with all people. Right? I can't make you be at peace, but I can make sure I'm doing all I can do to create peace and harmony in the relationship. And if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, regardless of what you do, I can be relationally, rightly connected to God. But if I am not willing to operate relationally with you, then it's going to affect my relationship with God. And that's such a powerful, powerful principle. The Bible actually tells husbands that if you don't honor your wives, your prayers are hindered. So it sounds like natural relationships affect spiritual relationship. So relational harmony is not just important, it's necessary. It's necessary. It is a required ingredient, right? How many of you ever bought uh, your kids a birthday or a Christmas present and forgot the batteries? Isn't that such a wonderful feeling, right? Because when you look on that little thing, it says batteries are required. Right? It just won't work without the batteries. I want you to understand the anointing and blessing and favor of God on your family, on your job, and on our church will not work without relational harmony. It won't work. It's not an option. We can't opt out. Right? Well, I'm just going to opt out of that. Right? We live in that opt-out culture. Right? I just want to opt out of that, and I want to opt out. No, you can't opt out of relational harmony. Right? We, we've got to live peaceably with each other as much as is possible upon us, as much as depends on us. We've got to forgive one another. How many know forgiveness is not optional? It's not optional. The only option you've got on forgiveness is you can refuse to forgive others if you want God not to forgive you. So that means it's not optional. I want God's forgiveness. How about you? It's not optional. So I want you to see this. The Lord really just burned this in my heart this morning. He said, Keith, he said, relational harmony is not just important. It's required. If you want the blessing, the anointing, and the refreshing of the Holy Spirit poured out on your family, poured out on your job, poured out on our church, then we have got to pursue relational harmony. We've got to understand we're equal but not the same, and we can celebrate our differences, and we don't have an option when it comes to not being at peace with one another and not forgiving one another and not loving one another with the grace and the mercy and the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, everybody doesn't have to be your best friend and you don't have to hang out with everybody, but you got to forgive people and you got to love people and you got to keep the relational lines of communication open. Why? Because it matters. Relational harmony matters because what God wants to do in our families on our jobs and in our church is God wants to do a supernatural work right and in order for the church to be what the church is supposed to be we need the anointing of God we need the blessing of God we need the refreshing of the Holy Spirit but how many of you also know that same thing is true not just of the church but of your business and of your family Right, If you want your family to be what God's called it to be, there can't be constant strife and discord and discontention in your home. You've got to move to a place of peace and relational harmony. Why? Because God wants to bless it. And anointing and unity and harmony produces the blessing and the anointing and the refreshing of the Holy Spirit over our lives as much as depends on me. Amen? And you can do that and I can do that because God has said we can do that. Amen? So let's look at this next thought. So we, we started answering the question last week. 
We said, how? How do we celebrate and honor our differences? We said, number one, we have to define our differences. We have to clarify our roles and our responsibilities. And we talked about that last Sunday, how important that is. How that When we clarify our roles and our responsibility, it, it, it frees us and it empowers us to live our lives to our fullest potential. And that's a critical thing. So the first thing that has to happen if we're going to celebrate our differences and honor the differences, we got to define them. The second thing, let's look at this. Next point on your outline. This is where we're going to hang, at, hang out today. You have to celebrate and honor the role and responsibilities that you currently have. You have to embrace the value of what God has called you to do in this season of your life. So for us to first learn how to celebrate and honor the differences, we got to define them. But the next thing that has to happen, this is critical because we typically bypass this step. We think, okay, we're going to define our differences, and then I'm going to honor your difference, and you're going to honor my difference. No, before I can honor your difference, i got to honor my difference. i got to honor my role and my responsibility. i got to celebrate my role and my responsibility. Why is that important? Because this is what we know to be true. If you can't celebrate your role, you're going to have a hard time celebrating their role. If you can't celebrate the place God's got you in, you're going to have a hard time celebrating the place that God has other people in. And we're going to see how that unpackages and kind of unfolds in just a minute. But let me just elaborate on this for just a minute. You have a role to play. Amen? And I used two words there. I used your current role and I used the current season of your life. And the reason I use the word, those words is because the Lord just very simply showed me. He said, Keith, your life is constantly changing, right? Your roles and your responsibilities change. Right? When you got married, how many of you remember when you first got married? Anybody remember that? If you're still breathing, I hope you do. All right. Right? And when you got married, it was just husband and wife, and man, your roles and responsibilities were there, and then you had a baby, and the roles and responsibilities changed. Right? And then your baby became a toddler, and your roles and responsibilities changed, because now somebody's got to be responsible for keeping them from eating everything around the house, climbing under the cabinets, and who's going to lock all the doors behind them, because they're getting into everything. Right? And then they become teenagers, and your roles and responsibilities change. Who's not going to kill them today? Right? And then, and then they, then they graduate. They go to college, and 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 now you know they they love your money. I mean, they love you, and your role and your responsibility change. And then they get married. They start their own family, and you have this little empty nest kind of thing. And your roles and your responsibilities change. And so, dependent upon the season that you're in, everybody in this room is in a in a season right now in your life. And that current season defines your role and your responsibility. So God wants us to learn how to celebrate and honor our role and our responsibility in this current season. Today matters to God. Today matters to God. And God wants us to learn how to celebrate our current role and our current responsibility. Why? Because we're going to see in just a few minutes that your current role and your current responsibility is directly connected to the next level of life and living that God wants to move you into. Your next season is going to be determined by how well you honor and celebrate your current role. And that's huge. That's a big deal. 
And we got to grab hold of that because what happens is many times most Christians, and I see this all the time in the church, most Christians never honor their role and responsibility. They never learn to celebrate the role and responsibility God has given them. And what happens is, is we get caught in this trap where we begin to look at other people and begin to desire their role and their responsibility. Before we get there, let me read Psalms 8 to you. I want to give you just a simple thought right here. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and what? You have crowned him with glory and honor, and you made him, God made you to have dominion over the works of his hands, and he put you, and he has put all things under his feet. You have put all things under his feet, speaking of mankind. You made him a little lower than the angels and you crowned him with glory and honor. God has crowned you with glory and honor. In the role and the responsibility that you currently have in this season of your life, God has crowned you with glory and honor. Not only has he crowned us corporately and individually, but I believe seasonally there is an honor and a glory that God gives to us in each season of our life. And when you learn, hear this, simply this, when you learn to honor the honor that God has given you, When you learn to honor the honor. Well, Pastor Keith, I don't like my current role and responsibility. Okay, then honor the honor God has given you where you're at, and it will position you to go to where you want to be. See, because you may be in a spot right now, and you don't like it, and you may, let me just say this to you, your current role and responsibility may be the result of the poor choices and decisions you've been making over the last year, or three years, or five years. And now you're in a place, and you're like, I don't like this place, God. Well, there's good news. The good news is, is if you will learn to honor and celebrate your current role and responsibility, God can reposition you to a new place. But until you learn to honor and celebrate your current role and position, you'll never move from it. You will be spiritually stuck in that place. And it happens all the time. And many of us can probably, I know for me, I can look back at my life and I can realize there have been times I was spiritually stuck. Let me just share you a little bit of my testimony. I started pastoring when I was 20 years old. And when I started pastoring, my heart's desire from day one was to be full-time in the ministry. I knew God had called me to pastor. I knew God had called me to preach. I loved the church. I loved the people. I loved the things God had called us to do. And I wanted to do it more than anything else on the planet. But I had to eat. So I was a carpet layer. I laid carpet. And so for the first nine years that I was in the ministry, I was a full-time carpet layer and I was a full-time pastor. And I hated laying carpet. Now, when I went out and laid carpet, I did a good job. I had a good attitude. I loved people. I encouraged people. I shared the gospel. I did a good job. People always wanted me to come back. But in my heart, I despised it. Every day when I went to lay carpet, all I could think about is this is another day that I'm not in the ministry. This is another day I'm not visiting. This is another day I'm not praying. This is another day I'm not studying. This is another day I'm not doing the things I know that God has called me to do. And for nine years, nine years, I fought that battle. Five times I quit my job laying carpet and stepped out in faith 
because I believe God had called me full-time in the ministry, and five times we like to starve to death. Five. Pastor Keith, you are a slow learner. Yes, I am. Hard-headed, slow learner. Five times. Five times it put us deeper in debt. Five times it put us further behind the financial weight that we were already currently under. Five times. So about eight and a half years into that thing, I finally got a revelation. And it's what I'm teaching you today. Keith, if you'll learn to honor and celebrate the role and responsibility that God has you in today, then and only then will you be repositioned to a place that you can move to the next level. And so eight and a half years into doing that, full-time pastoring, full-time laying carpet, I said, okay, God, I'm going to put my heart into being a carpet layer. And I put my heart into it. And the Lord began to show me that for eight and a half years I had been resisting the financial blessing that God was trying to bring into my life so he could position me to go into full-time ministry. He showed me. I mean, it was amazing. I started making money like crazy, and all of a sudden I found out money gave me options and liberty and freedom to do more ministry than I'd ever done before. Because how many know you can do more with something than you can do with nothing? And so eight and a half years into that thing, I finally said, all right, God, and I put my heart into it. I began to honor, and I began to celebrate the fact that I was a carpet layer. Because how many of you understand, carpet layers are just as important as preachers. So you may not understand. We kind of say, yeah, Pastor Keith, in our hearts we think, no, that's not true. It is 100% true. It is 100% true. The janitor is just as valuable as the CEO. Right? They are equal but not the same. They have different roles and responsibilities. But guess what? If somebody doesn't clean the toilets, we're complaining. Somebody doesn't take out the garbage, everybody's upset. CEO, we found out at our church at Liberty Church, me and Brother Curtis or Pastor Rick or Brother Jim, we can take off a week and go on vacation, nothing happens. Miss Anita, who's the secretary, takes off one day and the world falls apart. We're like, we know who is really important around here. Right? Because at the end of the day, we're all equal. Everybody is significant. Everybody is valuable. Every person's role and responsibility is critical to what God is wanting to do. And if you don't ever believe that, then you're going to constantly be stuck in a place that you're going to be miserable in because you're dreaming of greater things, but you're not honoring the role that God's given you today. So finally, after eight and a half years, I got that revelation. Six months later, I went full-time in the ministry. Six months. Learn from your pastor. Learn from my mistakes. Recognize the value that every person has to play. Every role is significant. 
We're equal. We're not the same, but we're equal. Value, liberty, opportunity, it all matters. And when you can begin to celebrate your role and you can begin to embrace your role, when you begin to find value in your role, all of a sudden you find this amazing thing called joy. Right? I hate seeing miserable people. And most people are miserable because they're not celebrating and honoring the role they're currently in. Well, Pastor Keith, I don't want to be here. Well, wonderful. Embrace where you're at because here's a, here's a trick. Here's a snare of the enemy. The devil deceives us into thinking that if I ever celebrate and honor this role, then that means I'm settling for it. But that's not true. See, the Bible says that unless you're faithful in a little, you won't be faithful in a lot. So the devil deceives us into thinking that if I actually celebrate and honor the place that I'm in, then I'm saying I want to stay here. No, when you celebrate and honor the place that you're in, you're saying, God, I want to grow and mature so you can reposition me to a greater place or a larger place or a different place where there's more opportunities to do more things or different things than what I'm currently doing. But if I don't learn how to honor and celebrate that current place, I get stuck there. Nine years stuck there. And all I had to do was get excited and honor where I currently was. Because God needs carpet layers as much as he needs preachers. Because every role is significant and critical to what God wants to do in our world. Amen? Let's look at this next point. I want you to see this. Until you embrace the value of your role and responsibility, you will be tempted to be jealous and envious of others. And this happens over and over and over and over again. It happens in families, it happens on jobs, and it happens in church. Until you embrace the value, right, of your role and responsibility, until you understand that in this season of my life, this is not where I want to stay, and this is not where I'm going to stay, but this is where I currently am, so I am going to fully embrace, celebrate, and honor the role that I'm in today, believing that God's going to enlarge my territory to a new place, but until then, I'm going to celebrate this role, because if you can never do that, you know what will happen? You will get caught in the comparison, envy, jealousy trap. And you'll begin to be envious and jealous of other people because guess what? Until I can celebrate my role, I'm going to have a hard time celebrating yours. And we all know that to be true. Just look around on your job this week. How many people are discontented in their job? They're not, they're not celebrating and honoring the role and responsibility they have. And they're always envious and jealous of everybody else. And then they say really smart things like, well, if I was the supervisor, right? If I was the manager, if I was the boss, things would be different around here. See, jealousy and envy give way to pride. <laughs> give way to pride. Well, if I was, right? If I, if I was the boss, if I was calling the shots, uh-huh, man, this would be a better place to work. Because what happens when envy and jealousy sets in? When you can't celebrate your role and responsibility, you begin to look at other people and you become envious and jealous of them. And then you begin through pride to try to undermine their authority, undermine their role and responsibility. 
and begin to try to wiggle your way in. Let me tell you the worst thing that can happen. God, the worst thing that can happen to you is that God would let you move to a place that you want to move to that you're not yet ready for. Because when you get outside of your current role and responsibility where God has you, let me just say this to you, God is the one that wants to reposition you. When you reposition yourself, you're going to get in a bad place. Why? Because when you're in the place God's called you to be, there is an anointing and there is a grace to do what God's called you to do there. There's an anointing and there's a grace to do the role and responsibility God has got you in. And until God moves you, see, I love David, and we're going to read about David here in just a minute. I love King David because when King David was anointed to be king and yet he wasn't king, and he was hiding in the cave, and Saul came in, and they said, you ought to kill him. God's delivered him to your hands. David said, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. It's not my place to reposition me. It's God's place to reposition me, and I'm not going to take something that God hadn't given me. And what happens, right? What happens? You see it on your job. You see people begin to go, or they begin to scheme, and they begin to plan, and they begin to conspire, and all of a sudden they finally push that supervisor or that manager out of their job. They saw enough discord and chaos and confusion on that job site. They finally get the position they want, and then six months later they hate it. And they're stressed out. They're taking blood pressure medicine. And they're not happy. Why? Because you are anointed and you're given the grace of God to fulfill the role and responsibility that God has for you. You need the anointing because you need a supernatural work to happen. And you need the grace of God because let me just say this to you today. Every role and every responsibility is hard. How many know being a husband's hard? How many know being a wife's hard? How many know being parents are hard? Right? Being the employee's hard, being the employer is hard, being the boss is hard, being the top man on the totem pole is hard, being the lowest man on the totem pole is hard. Every position, every role, and every responsibility comes with its own set of hardness, difficulties, and challenges. Every one of them. And you need to be in the right role because... When you're in the role God's called you to play in this season of your life, there is an anointing and there is a grace. And it's the grace of God that empowers you to work through the hardness and still enjoy the journey. Right? When I see people that are consistently miserable on their jobs, I begin to think many times, I wonder if they're operating out of their role. In the church, we have ministry burnout, they call it. Me and Pastor Curtis have some great conversations. We're trying to figure out how people get burned out from doing nothing. Oh, they came to one service. Whoo, no wonder they burned out. Man, that would have been hard, too, one service a Sunday. I'm sorry for my sarcasm, but it boggles our minds sometimes. You know why people burn out? Because they try to step in a role and fulfill a responsibility that God hadn't anointed them to do. And not only is there not an anointing, it doesn't produce fruit, but it also, there's no grace there. And they live in a place of constant frustration. And the thing they thought they desired and wanted is the thing they end up hating at the end of the day. I talk to pastors all the time, and I have pastors tell me, yeah, I want to quit every Monday. And I think to myself, I've been pastoring for 27 years, and I can think of one time I wanted to quit. And that lasts about three seconds. 
I love it. Well, Pastor Keith, it must be easy. No, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, but I love it. I don't want to quit. I get up every day excited about doing what God has called us to do, even on the hard, 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 hard days. Why? Because when you're in the role and responsibility God has for you, there's an anointing and there's a grace to do what God has called you to do. And when you begin to celebrate that and you begin to embrace that and you begin to realize, hey, I'm in this current role. It may not be where I want to stay, but as long as I'm in this role and God hasn't moved me, then I'm going to stay where I'm supposed to be. And guess what? There's going to be an anointing and there's going to be a grace on me to do what God's called me to do, produce fruit, enjoy the hardness, still have joy, and then I'm going to be positioned in a place where I can go to the next level. But until then, i got to make sure I guard my heart and celebrate who I am and where I'm at, or I'm going to become envious and jealous of other people. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't despise small beginnings. If you can't be faithful in a little, you won't be faithful in much. Same is true of money, by the way. There's this crazy idea, right, that, well, you know, I, I, can't, I can't tithe because uh, I only make $100. I don't make enough money to tithe. Well, if you can't tithe on $100, you won't tithe on $1,000. If you won't tithe on $1,000, you won't tithe on $10,000. If you won't tithe on $10,000, you won't tithe on $10 million. Because if you can't be faithful in a little, how are you going to be faithful in much? It don't work. That's a lie we believe. Well, if I just had more, I would give more. No, if you can't give from what you currently got, you won't give at all. Y'all with me today? <laughs> We're having fun. Number 16, they united against Moses and Aaron. This is Korah, and this is Korah leads a rebellion of 250 people against Moses and Aaron. I want you to see this story. It's awesome. They united against Moses and Aaron and said, you have gone too far. The whole community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord, and he is with all of us. What right do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? Now, what Korah didn't understand is what we're talking about. He didn't understand that we're all equal, but we're not the same. Korah had it right. He said, Moses, we're all God's special people. We've all been set apart from God. We can all hear from God. He was 100% accurate there. But what he wasn't 100% accurate in, he thought that because they were equal, they were all the same, but they weren't. Why was Moses taking the leadership role over the nation of Israel? Moses was taking the leadership role over the nation of Israel for one reason. God put him there. I promise you, Moses wasn't fired up every day about doing the job God had called him to do. But he knew that in that role and in that responsibility, there was an anointing and there was a grace to do what God had called him to do. So look at the next verse. It says, when Moses heard what they were saying, he fell face down on the ground. Verse 5, then he said to Korah, tomorrow morning the Lord will show us who belongs to him and who is holy. The Lord will allow only those whom he selects to enter his own presence. And then Moses spoke again to Korah. Now listen, you Levites. Look at verse 9. Does it seem insignificant to you that the God of Israel has chosen you from among all the community of Israel to be near him so you can serve in the Lord's tabernacle and stand before the people to minister to them? Korah, he has already given this special ministry to you and your fellow Levites. Are you now demanding the priesthood as well? He says, does it seem insignificant to you, Korah? 
that God's chosen you to be a priest. You've already been set apart. You get to handle the holy things of God. You get to minister in the temple. You get to serve the people. He says, Cor, do you not realize that 99, 95% of the nation of Israel will never get a chance to do what you do? But now you want the priesthood? What was Moses saying? Moses was saying, Cor, don't you realize that God's given you, he even said it, a special work? Korah became envious and jealous of Moses and Aaron because he refused to celebrate and honor his role. He did not see that his role was significant. He did not see that his role was important. All he could see is Moses and Aaron were doing things he wasn't doing and he wanted to do what they were doing because it looked like they were in charge. And envy and jealousy set in. And it began to undermine what God wanted to do in his life. Look at that next verse. I want want you to read verse 11 with me. Or excuse me, yeah, verse 11. It says, the Lord is the one you and your followers are really revolting against. For who is Aaron that you're complaining about him? He said, Cor, you're not revolting against us. You're revolting against God. Why? Because God had honored you. God had honored you with a role and a responsibility, and you are revolting against God. You're not revolting against man. You're resisting the role and responsibility God gave you. You're not resisting the role that me and and Aaron gave you. God gave you that role. God put you in that spot. God placed you there. And he said, and you're not revolting against us. Understand this. When we refuse to celebrate, our role and our responsibility, we are revolting against God. When we become jealous and envious of other people's roles and responsibilities, we are revolting against God. It's not a carnal thing. It's a spiritual thing. The Bible says every man's reward comes from the Lord, not from man. Your boss don't hold your raise. God does. So look at this next point. I want you to see this. So your current role and responsibilities. Your current roles and responsibilities are the keys that unlock your future growth and maturity. The kingdom of God is not about promotion. I want you to hear this. The kingdom of God is not about promotion. It is about position. Your current role and responsibilities position you to receive what God has for your life. It's not about promotion. It's about position. The kingdom of God is not about promotion. Why is it not about promotion? Because promotion has the concept or the idea that someone is more important than another person. Right? We're going to promote you because now you're more important than this person. No. The kingdom of God is not about promotion. Right? The janitor is not more important than the CEO. The nursery worker changing diapers this morning is not more important or less important than me. We have different roles and we have different responsibilities, but we are all valuable and significant and important in the kingdom of God. Your role and every role matters. And so it's not about promotion, it's about position. It's not about God promoting me to a higher level so I can have more authority. No, it's about God repositioning me to a place of greater maturity and greater growth because I outgrew this last place. See, if you begin to celebrate and honor the position you're in right now, you might outgrow it. 
And when you outgrow your position, you know what God does? He repositions you. He doesn't promote you. He repositions you. Because when I went from being the carpet laying preacher to being the full-time preacher, I didn't become more valuable. God didn't say, oh, I'm going to promote you from being a carpet laying preacher to being a full-time preacher. No, no, no. God didn't promote me. God repositioned me because I outgrew that position. How did I outgrow it? I outgrew it simply by honoring and celebrating the role and responsibility God had given me. And when I began to honor and celebrate the role and responsibility God had given me, it positioned me in a place to receive the fullness of what God wanted to do in my life in that season so he could then grow me to the point where I no longer fit in the place I was in and he had to reposition me to a new position and a new place. Why? Not because I was now worth more. I wasn't more valuable. I was now just more mature. And God repositioned me in a place where I could now be used for his glory in a different way. Not more valuable, just different, a different role, repositioned based on growth. So it's not about promotion, it's about position. If you're striving for promotion, you're already in envy and jealousy and pride. I'm just telling you. I talk to guys all the time, they're just striving, striving, they're chomping at the bits for promotion. And every time you can be 100% sure of one thing, their hearts are filled with pride. Because let me tell you what I know about me, and it's probably true of you. I think I'm always more ready than I am. <laughs> I mean, I look at me and I think, man, Keith, you are ready. God looks at me and he says, you're not even close. <laughs> Come on, let's grow some more. Let's mature some more. Let's embrace where you're at a little more. Let's function more effectively where you're at. Let's do what you're doing now with a greater level of excellence, a greater level of maturity, a greater level of ministry. Let's raise the bar on your current role and responsibility and let me grow you up so that you no longer fit in the place you're in. And then and only then will I reposition you. 1 Samuel 16. It's the story of David being anointed to be the next king of Israel. It says, In the same way, seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen any of these. And Samuel asked, Are, all, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him, and he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, and the Lord said, This is the one, anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers, and Samuel took the flask of oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Now I want you to see something because we miss this in this story. So Samuel came to Jesse. Jesse brought his seven, seven sons. Samuel looked at all of them. God said, none of these are the next king. Samuel says, do you not have any more sons? And, and Jesse says, oh yeah, I forgot I got David. He's out in the field. He's the youngest, and he's watching the sheep. Samuel says, well, go and get him. We're not going to sit down and eat until he comes. Now, in that story, we, we, don't, we don't grab this, but the implication is simply this. They go get David. He comes. Samuel sees him. God says, this is one. He anoints him. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him from that day forward. And David is then positioned to become the next king. But what we don't get many times in that story is that when Jesse sent his servants to go get David, David was in the position he was supposed to be in. When they sent 
the servant to go get David. Guess what? They said, go get David. He's out in the field watching the sheep. When they went out there, guess what David was doing? David was out in the field watching the sheep. He was in the position he was supposed to be in. And it was his current position that positioned him for that next move that God had in his life. What would have happened if they'd have went to get David and they went to the sheep field where David was supposed to be and David had decided, boy, it sure is a hot day today and on the other side of that mountain there's this cool spring, I'm going to go take a little swim. What if David would have decided, you know, there's that good-looking girl over there in that other town. I hadn't seen her in a long time. I wonder what she's up to today. I'm going to walk over there and see her. What if he'd have said, you know what, there's this cave back up here where nobody can find me. It'd be really cool and I can go take me a good siesta today. I'm out in the field and daddy doesn't know what I'm doing. My brothers don't know what I'm doing. The sheep aren't going to tell on me. So I'm just going to go do my own thing and I'm going to go back in the evening and pretend I've been watching the sheep. Nobody's going to be the wiser. But praise God, David was where he was supposed to be doing what he was supposed to do. And guess what? Because David embraced his current position, he received the anointing that repositioned him to become the next king. Now think about this. How many times has God sent the prophet to anoint you and you weren't where you were supposed to be? How many times has God sent the prophet to anoint you and you weren't where you were supposed to be? Instead of being in a place of humility, you were in a place of pride. Instead of being in a place of celebrating your role and responsibility, you are in a place of envying somebody else's role and responsibility. Instead of honoring the place God had put you, you are being jealous of the position somebody else had. And God sent the prophet, and you weren't where you were supposed to be. Now the good news is, is God is gracious and God is kind, the bad news is you probably got to go around the mountain one more time. Your role, your responsibility is important. Look at our last point together. We are equal but not the same. Every person matters. Every role and responsibility is significant. But we can't celebrate and honor others until we receive the honor we have been given by God. My prayer for all of us today is that every person in this room this morning would receive the honor that God's given you. Receive the honor. This is the role and the responsibility I'm currently in. It's not where I want to stay, but it's where I'm at today. And I'm going to celebrate and honor God. I'm going to do the best that I can do where I'm at. And honor and celebrate this role that God has me. And knowing that when my time to be repositioned comes, God's going to find me faithful where he placed me. we got to embrace that honor. I want to encourage you today. Embrace the role you're in. It's valuable. It's significant. I know it may not be all you want to do, but embrace it today. Celebrate it. Honor it. And God will use it. Your current position unlocks the door to maturity and growth that God uses to reposition you for what's next. This is true in our families. This is true on our jobs. This is true in the church. 
Every aspect of your life is affected by this simple teaching from Scripture. God has crowned you with glory and honor. Honor the honor that God's given you. I want you just to bow your heads. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. But something on the inside of you right now is stirring. And you know that what you've heard today is true. You know it's true. Not not because you, you heard an eloquent speech because you didn't. You know it's true because God is speaking to you right now on the inside. And there's something within you right now that's crying out that says you need the Lord in your life. You need Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And and God is calling you to himself. He's placed an honor on you. An honor that you can be called the son or the daughter of the Most High God. And the scripture said in Galatians 3 that we read the very beginning, we are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, today, I want to become a child of God. I want to receive the honor that God has given me to know Him as my Lord and my Savior. And I want to follow Jesus from this day forward. If that's your heart's cry, I want you just to stand up all over this building. Just right now, just take a bold step. Today, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to follow God today. I want to ask Him to forgive me of the sins of my past. And I want to ask him to lead me into the future and the hope that he has for me. Pastor Keith, why do I have to stand? Because faith without works is dead. It requires an action. You got to do something. You got to do something. So right now I want to ask you, I'm going to get ready to pray with you. And we're going to close our service today. But if you're here today and you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I want you to stand to your feet. God bless you. As you stand, our ushers are going to bring something to you. We're going to give you a little packet just to help you take that next step. But I'm going to just give you just about five more seconds if anybody else wants to stand. And we're going to pray a prayer together, all of us out loud. If that's you today and you want to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is your moment to stand to your feet. Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day that God wants to work in your life. So if you're standing to your feet, let's just say this prayer, everybody out loud with me, let's repeat it together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died for my sins, rose again on the third day, and has called me unto himself. I believe and I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life through your son Jesus. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. You can take your seat. God bless you. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love to meet you back in our first-time guest area. We love you guys today. May the honor of the Lord go with you. Amen. Have a blessed day in the Lord.